Today on our Tech for Business podcast, we're joined by Todd, our COO and CISO, Nate, our Director of Cybersecurity and VCSO, and Matthew, our GRC Analyst and VCSO. Today we're talking cybersecurity trends of 2024, but I'm actually going to start about a year ago. We had this same group on, same conversation for 2023. So I'm gonna throw this first question to Todd and maybe we'll just kinda do a little round robin. Was there anything from 2023 that surprised you or maybe something that you thought was going to come up but didn't? Um, I I would say probably not. Um, We were chatting amongst ourselves a little bit earlier today and and, um, I know it seems like you get to to put on your prognate, never mind, I won't even try and say it, (laughs) the ability to look into the future and go, this is what's coming. But but really what we tend to see is more often than not, we see so much stuff, and I've said that on a million podcasts, but because we see so much, we we tend to see that starting to kind of ramp up at the end of a year. So when we get to this Mm -hmm. point, looking into the future, going, this is what we think is going to happen, we usually have a fairly good idea of what's coming. So there wasn't anything in particular that really took me by surprise. Some of the things that I think I, I'm, I'm, I would call more disappointed that they haven't had more legs, and I think this will probably be one of the trends we're, we're hoping for in 2024, is there's been this longstanding conversation that E-Rate is going to have more coverage of cybersecurity funding, and it really hasn't come to fruition. And, and I want to say I don't know why, but it's, it's government-ridden, and therefore it's got to take forever. They can get on things occasionally, but um, it just usually just tends to be so slow. And for me, it's a little frustrating because schools in particular really need that kind of help and they they just really can't afford it unless they go out and get um, special funding from the public, which is really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the we're taking a look at the list of things that came through there and I was like, yep, Almost all of these came to fruition. Um, the, I think one of the things that maybe surprised me a little bit is how much of a push there was to get some of the cybersecurity talent um, continuing to be fulfilled. So, you know, um, if you're not familiar with some of the major vendors, there's uh, one called ISC Squared. Uh, they are the ones that provide the um, the CISP certification, which is kind of one of the de facto standards for most security professionals. And they introduced a, you know, initiative to certify 1 million individuals on that. So that was really exciting to see last year. Um, you know, I I first saw a little more of a natural uh, attempt to grow that, but they said, mm-hmm. come on, get the certs. You know, you don't get the full certificate until you get the experience but they kind of opened the doors to say, just start taking tests, which is really mm-hmm. cool to see. And then the, the government did a ton of initiatives as well to uh, continue increasing the cybersecurity talent. Um, so yeah, a lot of really cool things on the, the training front. What about you, Matthew? Anything thinking back at 2023 that surprised you because it did or didn't come up? Well, right at the end of last year, um, we finally got the new CMMC uh, guidelines out, which was fun to have that as a nice little Christmas gift for those of us who appreciate it. Uh, 
You know, there, there was a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Yeah. That's valid. <laughs> um, very valid. Uh, at at Christmas, just being like, ooh, let me read this policy document. Uh, <laughs> so. I always wanted this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should have wrapped it under the tree and just waited till yeah. Christmas Day. Um, the. So a lot of regulation, a lot of compliance requirements um, came through like we expected them to. Uh, some of them really kicked in. I think we saw a bigger change, like Nate was saying, not just in terms of the training that was available, but in people, I want to say, coming to the awareness of how critical it was to be prepared for some of this stuff. Um, I think we were pretty spot on with the industries that we talked about as being under attack from our experience. And I know we'll have a bit more on that when um, the ICCC releases their next round of uh, reports for what happened in the past year. We'll probably get some deeper insight into that. But just all around, I feel like everyone's increasing their awareness and and trying to find new ways to do things and better ways to do things than what they were doing before. Uh, very excited about the pass keys becoming more common um, across systems, uh, as well as uh, one thing that we we saw was uh, insurance companies requiring more and more things that we used to think of as as add-ons or, or organizations thought of as add-ons that we would always try and require um, as being required uh, just to even renew your cybersecurity insurance. Uh, which is great. I love seeing that there's that push from elsewhere rather than just us being like, hey, here's all the cool things. Here's the things that will help. And then I feel like the insurance companies getting on board helps with that as well. For sure. So um, I was, because we're talking 2024. So, uh, you know, when we talk about cybersecurity, sometimes it can be really scary, but it can also be really exciting. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe Matthew will kind of stick with you what is kind of the good, bad, and the ugly common for 2024 trends? Wow. Um, <laughs> which one to question. pick first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll go with one of the things that I'm thinking about the most at the moment, which is how attacks um, are coming in. Uh, mm -hmm. Generally, you know, we, we've always talked about the types of attacks that are occurring, phishing attacks, attacks for people, and we've We've got very specific terms for the the type of phishing attack that's coming in. Whaling um, means that they're going for director levels. Um, you know, there's there's comments like that where we break down deeper what these are, and I think we're going to see a lot more of those. Um, there's been a lot of reports recently of people using AI to craft these emails, um, and suddenly you don't need to really know as much about maybe the person you were were looking into because there's a chance AI has already got some of their information. Um, so you can just say, hey, write this type of email for this type of person. And mm -hmm. on some of the non, you know, the, the less regulated AI systems <laughs> may actually do that for you. Um, so obviously being more aware um, is, is gonna come from that. I think um, additional training is gonna come from that. Uh, on top of that, there seems to be a real twist to put um, Internet of Things in literally everything they can get their hands on. Uh, so more network security requirements um, and just being aware of how much of the stuff that you have in your office or at home is connecting to the Internet directly and maybe getting information it, it doesn't need or shouldn't use. Mm -hmm. 
I know you want to jump in, Nate. You're like, ready. <laughs> we, you got your list. You know, uh, <laughs> we, we were just joking yesterday about uh, there's smart wrenches that are oh, being that discovered with vulnerabilities. <laughs> there you go. You could have jumped in. Um, I was I was being patient here. Um, but, you know, as Matthew was saying, is that everything is being becoming so interconnected. And IoT is one of those things that we always knew. You know, you have the smart speaker, you have whatever it is, the smart TVs. But now getting down to the wrenches that you're using can be exploited to over-torque or under-torque, uh, you know, miscellaneous stuff like that. There's a lot of business value that could be used for this tools like that. Um, I won't get into the big uh, internal discussion that we had about that, but um, <laughs> they are heavily um, continuing to move down that smart path, which means there's software, which means there's potentially vulnerabilities, right? So, yeah, just kind of expanding on that briefly, the 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 one of the larger threats on there is Nate highlighted it extremely well, but one of the other ones that's on there is if you don't do network segmentation, that could be a, a launching point into a network, which is very concerning. Um, so just kind of wanted to highlight that. I, I think the IoT of the world is is getting extremely prolific and people aren't even paying attention to it, right? They're just like, it needs to be connected. Let's go, giddy up. And this, there is business reasons for it, which is fantastic, um, but it still needs to be secured. Um, so jumping back to the to the comment that got us here is the good, bad, and the ugly. And, and I think Matthew started it out with a bang. I was going to go AI, right? I mean, it's it was the big topic of 23 in general. But if you look at it, it does all three of those things in a nutshell. It's fantastic of what it's going to mean for defenders. It's terrifying for what it's going to be for 10 defenders at the same point. Um, so there's a lot there that's fantastic. Um, Matthew kind of got into the comment as well about uh, generative AI that's regulated versus what's not. Uh, you, you may have already noticed this if you're in the SMB market, which is small, medium-sized business, but uh, Microsoft's co-pilot has been released to enterprise, and they keep saying it's coming for the SMB market, but it hasn't been released. So just to kind of say what it's coming is, you can get it, you just need to buy 300 licenses, which is pretty much outside the realm for most people at, at $9,000 per month. Um, so the biggest hang up on it has been the compliance, right? As the enterprise is getting their hands on it, they're going, this thing has got its hooks in damn near everything. And that is very concerning. And so the fact that you're not seeing it heavily rolled out, we're at the beginning of, of 24. I probably should put a, a minor timestamp on it. <laughs> so the reason why you haven't seen it generally released is because of this, is there's all this compliance and concern behind it of what exactly am I doing? How do I keep my data safe? Is this more than I want to? Do I have the ability to, to stop portions of it? So on and so forth. Um, but really, mm -hmm. the, the big thing that I'd see coming up in 24 is AI. And we will see a significant impact on how that happens has a, a role to play in the phishing simulations, as Matthew already said. Um, and, and really what that means on the defensive side is there will be a lot of stuff that's going to have to come in place of what are the mitigating controls that we put in place to make sure that we are protecting ourselves, our customers, and so forth. Yeah, and this is one of the things that uh, I just wanted to touch on as well a little bit is with the introduction of some of this generative AI. So for example, Microsoft Copilot, uh, right? Most organizations are using Office 365. The way that Microsoft is gonna handle those permissions is the content that that user has access to, it's going to be able to uh, interact or retrieve that data to generate new stuff. Um, so for a CISO or you know other security executives at these organizations, you know, let's say about 
two or three years ago, you were focused heavily on um, infrastructure and hardening that. Then you moved into more of that identity and access management as your core focus as everything started moving to the cloud and the application sprawl started uh, to continue. And now what we're going to see is uh, security executives focusing heavily on data classification and uh, data segmentation and access control of the internal data um, because these tools, let's say you have board reports and your you know, SharePoint is too open. Are you wanting to allow you know, your intern to use AI, have it automatically query your meeting minutes and generate a report of everything that the business is doing, right? Is that data classification is going to become exponentially more important as AI is introduced into the businesses. Um, so I think uh, across the board with that, we've seen a lot of changes. Um, uh, at the start of last year, there was executive orders that that came through these requ these requirements for greater awareness, like I mentioned, but also um, more thorough ownership from organizations of what's occurred. Um, one of the things that took me by surprise, but in a good way, <laughs> was the uh, reaction most recently to the SolarWinds um, hack. Uh, and what's happening with their team. Um, there seems to be a lot of real consequences if people are being inten intentionally negligent or potentially not, not acting in the best interests of the organization. There are some consequences coming from that. And it, it's great to see that it's been kind of a shift from that. We see it in the compliance side within CMMC where right now um, within NIST 800, the person who needs to attest to everything that was done can not be anyone <laughs> in the organization, but it doesn't have to be leadership. CMMC, it has to be someone from the leadership team. And that change alone requires that that sign-off is happening with the awareness of the leadership team or the board of directors or whoever it is. So seeing that that ownership and, and responsibility really be put where I think it should be put it has been nice to see across the board. Yeah, as as a senior security leader, it, it, the way Matthew just covered mildly terrifies me. But um, <laughs> I was saying the same thing. <laughs> My name um, is now going to have to be written on there somewhere. Yeah, it, I, unfortunately, for what it's worth, I, I think the individual thought he was being probably clever on how he phrased things, but it, it was it was not done in the best light for everybody right he may have been trying to protect the company but he he wasn't doing what was really really right if you will um but that being aside it, it is it is interesting um one of the big takeaways that i i kind of feel like is coming down the 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 pipe here and it has a lot to do with what we were just talking about whether it gets into segmentation with your iot devices and so forth is i think this is going to be a big trend and it has to start somewhere it has to start sometime what better place? And eh, never mind. Um, <laughs> maybe some people will get that one. Anyways, um, we're we're almost to the point where, it, to me, I'm looking at it and I say that I'm thinking the world has to change. And um, I'll attribute this very similar to the transition to endpoint detection and response. 
Nationwide, globally, I think the adoption of EDR is still quite low. Um, for, for us and our customers, it's extremely high because we, we, we believe so strongly in it. But the next trend for me is it, it, it's very complicated. It's zero trust. We're at a point now where enough stuff has moved to the cloud for various reasons, and a lot of them are very strong business reasons, right? I get to reduce the amount of equipment I have on place. I can apply updates on the fly. I mean, cloud is fantastic. However, as you continue to go down that path, you have to find new and interesting ways to start to protect that and your individuals. In addition to that cloud migration, we still have the work remote world. And again, how do I protect everything? It's to the point, in my opinion, that the potential re-wrenching of the ar architecture infrastructure of IT needs to be reconsidered. And that is going to be, if you're doing it, zero trust is the way forward so i think you're really going to start to see that get real legs this year i i know in, in a lot of instances some of that is is starting to happen uh, i read an article a couple weeks ago that said 80 plus percent of organizations have started the, the zero trust journey and i was like there's no way that number is correct <laughs> and when i looked in it basically the big the big thing in it was people have been implementing mfa which is fantastic it's a great okay. first start but it's not really we're adopting zero trust it's more like i have to protect myself and i've got this tool in place it is part of the journey it's just not a massive yeah. chunk of the process i thought you were going to say that they had had a demo with a zero trust company which i mean that's beginning the journey right <laughs> it, that I, is that is the beginning that's fair i i know which, which uh, is what doing talking about and no surprise they sell uh, zero trust solutions so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but um just from the infrastructure side of things uh just to continue on to what todd was talking about um so cit we have an internal incident response team that helps customers with uh critical security incidents um right we, we with the implementation of things like EDR, application whitelisting, privilege access management, we have seen a massive, massive decrease of security incidents. Um, however, we still get called quite frequently from other companies saying, we need assistance, we've got ransomware or whatever it is, right? And in the past, it used to be someone clicking on an email, it originates from there, and then it kind of moves across the rest of the network. One of the biggest things that we saw in 2023, because so many companies are implementing those security tools, is coming in through the VPN. Uh, because, you know, unfortunately, it's either companies that don't have multi-factor on the VPN or the user is still um, susceptible to that. But then there's no protections across the network for uh, monitoring and segmenting that traffic if it is malicious. And so... We've seen VPN after VPN after VPN initiated compromises on the network. And so one of the big things for CIT is, and this is getting to more of that zero trust mentality, is get rid of the VPNs. Uh, it's one of those things that have been around for 25 years. So you, you would think, what what is the alternative to that? There's ways that you can still allow that remote access, but close up the hole on the firewall so it cannot be scanned. Um, and so this is kind of the introduction of something called SASE, um, but it's one of the things that CIT does place a lot of importance on is getting rid of those VPNs because it's just a hole in the network that just is open for uh, <laughs> just brute force activity or someone to prod around and try and find their way in. 
I think we, what it's worth, I, I'm sorry, Matthew, I was real briefly. I think it's kind of ironic that, you know, a couple of years ago, we're like, get VPN and get VPN, get VPN. And now we're saying get rid of it. Um, but, uh, it, it, but it was right. The world changes, unfortunately, especially in the world of cybersecurity is at least your data was encrypted. At least you had a secure connection. At least you had, well, unfortunately, at least really isn't all that much anymore. Um, not surprising. There's also something out there called zero trust network access, which is ZTNA. And I'm sure you'll start seeing that in 24 significantly as well um, but if you're using vpn you already know that it stinks right your 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 employees struggle with it constantly we do a lot of work with our customers and it's one of the things that we find that they need the most amount of support on is the vpns and i apologize go ahead matthew <laughs> i was i was just gonna say I, I believe we've done a podcast on zero trust right um yeah, we've uh, gone through yeah. Two or and three of them. Yeah. I just, we've talked about it a lot. And I just want to make sure because we, there is a lot of things that it does that basically it covers a lot of these bases. It does work. This, it does cover by working similarly to a VPN for a, at a workstation level. It does bypass, therefore, any of the security flaws that come from VPNs um, from being on the same network. Uh, I was having a conversation with a, uh, customer just the other day about the fact that I have a segmented network at home for all of my Internet of Things stuff. And I know that may seem like a little bit of overkill for a lot of people, but I just don't need any of that stuff running on the same network as the one I use for everything else I do. For I mean, the streaming stuff I do doesn't need to be on the same uh, subnet as my cameras do. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so... There, there, this segmentation thing, zero trust covers a lot of these things that we talk about as, you know, changes that are upcoming. We're covering a lot of those specific ones by talking about zero trust because it is in, it is designed to include things like um, the software access secure edge um, and things like that, which make it helpful for us to just use this single term to define it all. <laughs> we aren't saying it's a, it's a catch-all in the same way that when we said VPNs, you know, a couple of years ago, and they were a fantastic solution at the time, that's changed. And Zero Trust right now is the solution that is a pivot, because if we're pivoting, the bad guys have to pivot too. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's part of it. If we're always moving, they are also have to be always moving. Um, they don't have to be, but they sure want They to should be. be. I mean, they, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, as, as part of as part of my my certifications that I've got, uh, they gave me a copy of Server 2003, uh, Windows Server 2003, and said, use this for all your testing because everything that you've been taught can be done on this this server. Um, and I just remember thinking, I back back when this was when this happened, uh, I was like, I know people who still use this server in their day-to-day -day business and it is the one that i'm being taught how to do everything on because it all works uh the the quicker you pivot upgrade change move to new things get stuff that is different the people who've been doing the same thing the whole time can't anymore uh they have to find new ways to get around it as well um and that's just as, as a, a change a thing that's that i'm hoping comes through here is is that is people realizing that it's not about trying to force them off a thing they love or trying to make them move to a thing that maybe someone else likes more there is specific benefits to making a change that are far beyond just it's new and cool 
it's new and cool as a benefit. <laughs> the uh, just to continue on about threat actors having to change tactics as the industry changes, uh, we have actually seen this quite a bit when I, again I'm just going to focus on ransomware there's plenty of our other threat types out there uh, or attack types out there but um, in the past right you used to just encrypt the data and say give me you know money to be able to decrypt that data then it changed to once everyone had solid backups well then they would pull the data then encrypt it and extort you for the uh, the data itself then we saw a transition to um, I'm going to pull the data encrypt it and then i'm going to go bug your customers saying i know that this company is compromised go tell them to take care of this um otherwise we're going to release your data and so there's a, additional extort um extortion that's happening there um just last year we saw a threat group actually file a sec complaint against um, the company after they compromised on this said, hey, by the way, they didn't do the reporting requirements. Um, and so that's how that all be came out. Now what we're actually seeing, um, there's just an article I saw, I, I believe last week about a threat actor that um, compromised a hospital and then they actually were swatting their patients. And so if you're not familiar with swatting is you essentially call the police, say, you know, there's bomb threat, gun threat, whatever it is. And they send the police and the SWAT team to your house with, you know, guns. And so as companies are further increasing the security controls that they have and better protecting the environments, threat actors are also getting a little bit um, desperate and purely just malicious of these high yeah. pressure tactics to still receive that money. Um, so the more you can do to prevent those, obviously, is the better. But uh, I thought that was really interesting that now they're resorting over to swatting as well. There, There is a lot of high pressure tactics that are being used. And and we've seen this not just at a business level, but at a personal level. Um, horror stories about the things they're doing to try and get what seems like minimal sums from some people. Um, when it comes to the business side, we've, we've always known that that fear is a tactic. Um, creating a sense of urgency is a tactic, but the way they're doing it now in a lot of these cases is beyond the pale for the types of things that you would expect. Swatting anyone is a crazy thing to do. Um, putting in the SEC uh, complaint, on the other hand, that seems like they're using capitalism <laughs> in a very interesting <laughs> way. Um, so we, we've seen this in, in other ways, though, right? Uh, the the support portals for a lot of ransomware look incredibly professional. You'd think they came from a Fortune 500 company. Um, there are things that you can't be prepared for that make them look more and more like official businesses because they work very similarly to them. Um, looking for these high-pressure tactics and remembering that someone saying, hey, I need you to do this now is oftentimes a tactic uh, not just for ransomware, but in general, um, is something to, to be aware of. I think it's it's helped me personally remain a lot calmer to have to fight that in response to a lot of things that come my way of, I'm sure this can wait maybe the 15 minutes it takes for me to take a step back um, is very helpful in, in, in making, in dealing with that type of, of tactic. Uh, and I think we'll see more of that in the training that's coming out. There'll be more of a, take a breath if is this really that critical style language uh 
we're we're also seeing a lot of um we we talked about it briefly with the IoT stuff but it, it's being added. smart devices are now everything right we're seeing everything be added that way um ransomware doesn't uh, ransomware and malicious code is not just added on the fly um sometimes if anyone's read up on the stuxnet attack it can happen slowly over time things with this type of tech in them are vulnerable not just in every moment they're connected to the internet but sometimes there's things that are uh you know hibernating they have time frames on them they have wait x amount of time before you run this code so that you're not connected to the network uh so you know i, I think there's going to be a bigger push not just for data classification but for within reason air gapping data um keeping some data disconnected from your regular data in a way that it wasn't before just because the amount of times if someone gets into one section if you've got even if your data's tagged um the potential that they'll grab really important data with the less important data because you haven't segmented them fully is much higher yeah i, I um one thing i we're running out of time so one thing i i know this is naturally going to do is you're going to go wow you're scaring the crap out of me what do we do about that and that'll have to be a follow up meeting on some of the other stuff sorry no it's fine but but it's naturally where my mind goes right we start getting into swatting and it's it's boy is that ever an escalation um i i will say i, I currently it's not something where i say you know 80% of all attacks have uh, have escalated to swatting at least currently and I'll knock on wood wherever that may be um but it is something that is out there and it is worthy of being aware of but just in general I mean a lot of the other things Matthew I wanted to circle back about this before we ran out of time too because I do think that this will be a, a big topic for this year as Matthew mentioned CMMC as Christmas present at the beginning it is in I think it's finally getting ready to go live. So they've they've kind of had a couple of false starts on it and we see little jumps up where people are like, okay, I have to be compliant. I need to do that immediately. And most organizations tend to wait till the last minute. And it seems like they've been somewhat justified. But my point here is it's actually coming. So in 25, it will be in place. It will be out there. And so you will see a lot of organizations. Um, in case anybody doesn't know what CMMC is, I don't know what the uh the acronym stands for anymore um but uh it is heavily impacting a lot of manufacturers and anybody that's working with the department of defense and so forth but it will be in place and it is coming and there have been revisions so we'll have to follow up later this year with what you can expect in the latest version with another podcast around it so if you are under that that particular type of regulations you'll need to be aware of it and you will need to be compliant and i would guess my my rough estimate is going to be at the beginning of 25 so they'll probably put a, a drop dead date somewhere at the end of 24. um cybersecurity maturity model certification thank you it, it's not I, honestly i do wonder if it's worth memorizing i do think no. cmmc is much better <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't uh, bother trying to memorize it anywhere there. yeah uh it is I, I don't want to go into it too deeply. I, I will say if you haven't read it, if you are interested in it, these changes bring it, in my opinion, more in line with where it was originally, um, which is a very good thing, in my opinion. And uh, maybe there'll be a podcast of me on my soapbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, quick little uh, tangent, but I just wanted to introduce uh, one last prediction. This is my own personal prediction. I didn't see it listed on many articles, uh, you know, when I was looking for uh, what others have predicted for 24. Um, although 
uh, we all have to get to work somehow. And I know this is called the Tech for Business podcast, but this is a little more of a personal <laughs> thing. But again, we have to get to work in some way. Was auto manufacturers are making a massive push right now to introduce electric cars to everyone. Um, and so I foresee a lot of reports coming about, uh, you know, vulnerabilities in these systems. We've seen it in the past when Tesla first got introduced. But unfortunately, there's a mad rush to market right now for all these automotive or automotive manufacturers. And so my concern would be that they're prioritizing that push a little more than some of the security. Um, and so just drive safe to work, <laughs> right? And just, again, the, the nice thing is that there's a lot of these cars are becoming inner um being deployed with interconnected systems so they can receive software updates. But again, if you have an electric car, just make sure you're doing your updates to help mitigate a lot of those vulnerabilities that will likely be discovered. So hit the tangent alert button. Has anybody watched or, or read Leave the World Behind? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I watched it this last weekend and um, my cybersecurity mind is just racing through the whole thing. I'm like, how would I protect against that? But in the movie, there is a portion where the Teslas get attacked and they are being launched self-driven. So, <laughs> okay. um, so it, it's not a great it's not a great movie, but I, I still <laughs> liked it. So <laughs> tech it. for business. Yes. Um, I'm going to, real quick, just to kind of um, wrap it up, I'm going to bring it back to businesses because that's what we're focusing on. And, you know, it's quarter one. Everyone's in these meetings. They're figuring out what this year, what three years, what five years looks like. If you had one thing, maybe we mentioned it, maybe we didn't, that you think is missing from that meeting, from that agenda that people, that businesses are not thinking about, that's a blind spot for them. What would that be? Um, I first want to ask, are we sure this isn't the Tech for Business movie review podcast? Because um, <laughs> it could be. Uh, it could can, be. I like it. We can do an uh, icebreaker next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say, in my opinion, um, one of the biggest things that's happening is I, I know a lot of people are having the conversation and I'm pulled into a lot of conversations where people are saying, we want to do the next thing. We want to do, we want to make sure we're thinking about this at the right level. And that's a great conversation to have, but it's important to have someone guiding that who can actually guide it and, and knows where it's coming from. In my opinion, the best way to start with that is with a, a picking a framework and just basing it on something because they're designed to help you as an organization create a, create a system that works within that framework. They give you guidance on everything. Um, a CISO is definitely a good step, making sure you have someone who is, is taking ownership and really the authority on that for the organization. If you wanna take that next step, be aware that it, it does have an output to it. There is something that you'll need to get that guidance. Um, and, and I, I know there are a lot of organizations doing this already, but I've just been a part of three to five conversations in the past two weeks already of people just saying, what do I do next? And mm -hmm. the answer is you, you find something to follow, whether that's a person, whether that's a framework, you find someone who you trust in this topic to help guide you in what they know and what they see on a regular basis. Yeah, I know you said one thing, but I'm going to do two. One is just kind of <laughs> telling off of what Matthew just said there. And I can't help myself. I'm sorry. This is who I am. Um, insurance is getting extremely complicated when it comes to cybersecurity insurance. Um, 
where we, we've actually worked with some organizations where it's been treated almost like a full IT audit. And the reason why I bring it up is most organizations are not prepared to handle that type of conversation. So if it's not on your agenda, you're going to have to find somebody, in my opinion, that, that can help navigate that. And it's very similar to what Matthew was saying is find a partner that you can work with that'll help you get through those. Most companies that we work, it's a fairly, fairly significant piece. They come to us and say, can you help us through this? So we're already seeing a massive uptick in it. But um, the one thing that I that I wanted to highlight, as I mentioned it as Zero Trust, is it's time. In, in my opinion, it's time to start to build a plan. It seems unwieldy. It seems like a massive lift, and it's a lot, but it's time to go, what am I going to do? If I do nothing, there is going to be significant and risk that's going to be increasing for organizations that don't have it on their plan to move forward. You will be replacing portions of your infrastructure. It's time to start planning on if I do that, what do I replace it with? Zero trust is going to be the answer. And again, you're going to have to find a partner to help you through that. Mine was actually very similar to Todd's um, was, I, I believe it's on the podcast that I was on with Kyle, where we talked about a lot of the zero trust coming off of our tech for business uh, or uh, our tech fair uh, conversations. However, one of the big things that I think I mentioned on that one, if I remember correctly, was um, small businesses often are operating on a budget for just an annual basis, right? How do we get through this next year? But kind of what Todd was saying and kind of coming in with Matthew as well about the VC. So is you need a long term strategy to actually implement those. Uh, those are often three to five year initiatives. And so if you're only ever budgeting for an annual cycle, you're never going to catch up or put in the proper building blocks to get where you need to go. You have to have that longer term strategy. Um, and so my advice for business owners is going to say, look a little bit further out and, you know, whether or not it's just listening to something like this of saying, how do we get there? Do we need to work with a partner or not? Um, but at a minimum, look at a three-year budget cycle for your security initiatives. That's what's going to drive you forward. You're just going to get caught in a cyclical pattern if you're only focusing on annual. Yeah. And those costs should increase because you want to get more secure over time um don't just think this is the amount i'm spending on security and that's it remember that a the costs change but b the tools change we find things that are more secure and we find things that are better to keep the organization safe you don't want to have to get to that point three years from now when this tool that does a lot of this comes out and you haven't budgeted or prepared for what a shift would be like this is a moving it's a moving target because it's a moving and changing industry um and that's, like I said, speak to someone who can help with this because that's almost impossible to plan for if you aren't living in it every day. <laughs> it's hard to see what these are like or why things become more important than other things over time. You need to find somebody who wants um, policies as a Christmas present. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the right people to talk to. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, thank you, Todd, Nate, and Matthew for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe. If you have a question, a topic, a trend you want us to discuss, reach out to us at info at cit-net.com or head out to our website, cit-net.com slash podcast. And we'll be back next week with an all new episode.